Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Good afternoon, good morning, good evening, wherever you are in the world. I'm Russell Tovey. And I'm Robert Diamant. And this is Talk Art. Welcome to Talk Art. How are you, Rob? Today, Russell, Mm. I am feeling peaceful, like a little bird on a tree. Oh, go on. And, you know, I've seen a lot of birds lately because um, lockdown has meant that Margate has suddenly had birdsong like never before. And it's something that's got me thinking about why we don't do more to look after our birds. Because without them, what are we, Russell? We are birdless. We are birdless. We have, we have, we, we have no bird song. And I think bird song is one of the most beautiful sounds ever. Yes. Now, today's guest makes the most extraordinary paintings, and I have stumbled across them a number of times. The first time was in London um, via, I think, a gallery called Southard Reed. And um, Phyllida Reed had, maybe it was a group show, I can't remember, but I, or maybe it was even just in their office, but I saw this painting of a little bird. And I was immediately drawn to it in a very like visceral kind of emotional way, which as we know, Rob can be like that. Mm-hmm. And I just didn't even know who the artist was, but I just loved the painting. And then I went to Paris, to Paris Internationale, the amazing um, art fair that's on at the same time as FIAC each October. And I walked into this room and I'd been going through all these different galleries, booths from all over the world, amazing galleries, but a lot of it was quite conceptual. And then I walked into this room and there were just these paintings of kind of the moon and trees and like you know, more birds. And immediately I recognised it. And because I had that feeling again, and I was screaming at Philip, just like, I'm obsessed with this painter. And then eventually I went to New York, I think, and saw the work again at Karma Gallery. And it goes on. But I have been a fan, and I mean a real fan. And I want everyone listening to this show to go now and Google our guest's work, because it's extraordinary. And I'm so excited to get a chance to speak to her. And therefore, we would like to welcome to Talk Art, all the way from Tribeca, New York, Anne Craven. Hi, Anne. Hi, Robert. This is so beautiful. Oh, my goodness. I just, I'm, I'm all, I am crying. So just so you know, but I'm, they're happy tears. Beautiful oh, that's tears. that's so sweet. Thank you so much for that oh. introduction. I'm so moved. Oh, that's nice. So moved. Well, I'm, I'm really touched by your paintings. I, I just, 
I, I don't know what's sort of drawn me to them, but there's a kind of emotional kind of dream world going on or something. And they feel so otherworldly and like, but at the same time, they feel like me almost. Like I can, you can kind of see yourself in them. Do you know what I mean? Like, Well, thank you. I mean, I also, and I think sometimes I... Um, I, I, I think about why I painted birds and that's a whole long, you know, discussion, but they are very much like people in a way. Um, or I, I paint portraits, but I painted the birds as sort of stand-ins for portraits a long time ago, but many other different reasons. And, and Russell and Robert, thank you so much. I just can't tell you. This is so beautiful. I'm, mm, again, I'm very honored again. Well, we're um, very honoured as well. It's a privilege to talk to you, Anne. But let's uh, you, you're in Tribeca in New York, but for you, New York and Maine, upstate, are very, very important locations mm. for you and your work. Yes. Well, um, you know, Maine is... There's so much inspiration up there for me because of the moon, the moon rising over the St. George's River. We live right on a river, right right off the coast of Maine. Um, it's a brackish river and the moon rises literally at, on, in front of me. And um, it's just, I try to catch it. You gotta catch it early in the night um, because that's when all the, the ruckus is happening in the clouds and the, you know, the things that um, happen early on with the color. And, um, and, you know, once it gets up in the night sky, later on, that's amazing too. But, you know, if you can catch it rising right over the river, it's you have you you're it's your it's a great day, and it doesn't matter. It's not a full moon. It could be a half moon. It could be a you know crescent moon. Sometimes you have to be there at three a.m. to catch the crescent moon rising. So you have to set your alarm, and you know it's it's not this like romantic thing to go out and paint the moon. It's like really planned, and it's really I need to I need to do it, and I'm obsessed with it for weeks. Um, and then I'll rest and won't paint it again until the next round, next you know month or something. I don't paint it every night um, of my life, <laughs> but <laughs> you know. Um, and there's birds. There's lots of birds. There's, I just recently painted a crow up there last summer. Been dying to paint um, a crow for a while. I painted ravens. You might have seen that sh that painting at at Southern Reed as well. Ravens three. Yes. I, yes, think, yes, yes. I think I remember Phyllida saying you saw that painting. Um, yeah, well, I think I made quite a big noise about it. But with, with, with the moon, so do you look at the kind of like cycle of the moon and then work out the best dates to kind of do it if you're sort of planning this oh, yeah. like, adventure or something? Well, it, it, it's, it's, the thing is, is if, I, if I'm out and I look up at the night sky and I see a, a moon, I'm like, oh, damn, I should be painting that. You know, um, <laughs> um, but I'm not because I'm out. And, um, but had I planned it, I know the moon's coming. I can feel the moon coming, um, meaning full moon, should I say, full moon. Yes. But yeah. um, yes, I do plan and I will make sure all my easels are up. I have to bring my easels to the roof here. I have um, a, a roof. I'm so um, lucky to have this roof here. And, and um, in Harlem, I have a studio in Harlem where I was painting for years up there, but I'd have to get the big ladder out and put it up to this hatch and lug everything up and um, lug you know, the easels, lug the paint, which is fine. Cause then I tarp over it and I paint 
you know, the next night and the next night and the next night, you know, tie in the tarps. But, right. you know, it's not like I just jump out and I grab my paint. It's like I really have to prepare and then and then I'm all set. I'm all set. I can paint, you know, five, six, seven. I line them up so I can paint each one individually. But then after a while, it becomes the painting is almost done, but each one has its own second, third or fourth brushstroke by the way the moon is moving. So there's a, there's a series there, there's a moment when everything is coming together, but each one is totally different because it, it's at the, I end it and I, then I end the next one and then I end the next one. It's kind of performative um, as well. Wow. So this is a project that you started in 1995 Correct, when... Russell. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and That's this is so... this is not wow. a series because you don't like to refer to um, parts of your practice as a series, but more revisitations. And this is something that has been continuous for you um, outside landscape painting, plein air at night, which is kind of rare because landscape painting is to get like the sunlight, it's to capture <laughs> the light of the land, and you you take it, and there you find inspiration from the moon. Yeah, um, you know, it's uh, what what the moon does for me as an artist and has always done from the, the first time I painted the moon. So I was I've been painting since I was six, believe it really? or not, years old. And I was painting with oils. So oils are not an easy material for a six year old. And I'll tell you why. Only because. <laughs> It's a little weird that a six-year-old would be given oils. My parents, I came from a roofing family in Boston. And my grandfather, you know, roofing brothers, they weren't afraid of solvents. So, you know, you they washed their hands with kerosene. There's no problem with turpentine to mark, uh, to wash brushes. So my aunt died, fast story, Aunt Catherine, um, that I knew I was a painter. But they said, let's give you know, and all of Aunt Catherine's painting materials. And so my father lugged all her oils to the house and said, you know, here you go. And I started using turpentine and oils at six. And, you know, you'd be arrested now if you were doing that to your child, letting Mm. your kid use oils. But I didn't know anything else. I didn't know how to use watercolor. I mean, later I learned watercolor, but I didn't use, you know, acrylics or gouaches or it was always oils so when I finally got to college I decided that I you know um uh, well it really happened in grad school that because I could paint I knew what to paint but it's your subject matter that you really have to think about you know material really well but with your subject matter comes later um and if you can grab subject matter, then then you're all set. You you can just paint, and you can do what you need to do. If if that's the case for some people, but for me it was. I needed subject matter, and I you know I could paint in the round. I'd make I'd paint a cup or I'd paint a vase, and I painted everything from observation. But the moon. So I was a really a plein air painter from the start. But the moon. And then I, I wrote my thesis on Agnes Martin. I became obsessed with Agnes Martin's no work. Way. Yeah. I, I, was, I think about her sometimes when I see your work. And oh even though visually God. it doesn't look the same, obviously, but like there's a kind of intensity 
of the mm. precision of the work that really reminds me of Agnes Martin. That's really funny. And a repetition wow. of, of, of... Yes, true. Of... Exactly. That's true. Yes. It's her repetition. It's, it is, it's her belief in this continuum. And I found her to be the most, you know, it just opened me right up to everything possible in painting. Because before now I'm painting with oils from observation but then there's this person painting these lines and continuous lines and lines. And, you know, she's from Montreal or from Canada where open plain, you know, that she can see the train coming from way across the fields. And I imagine that those were landscapes. I imagine that she was also before the grid painting with similar ideas and similar thoughts about painting, about right. observation. and. And so the moon, Russell, to answer your question. <laughs> <laughs> the moon, the moon became my sort of connection and my conversation with Agnes's um, draw line, her, her belief and nonstop belief and repetition of the line of this continuous conversation. And for me, the moon offered so much similar it, it's the same, it's, but every night it's different. It's always there, but every minute it's different. And I imagine that my parents looked at it. So, and mm. people, you know, Russell, Robert, you looked at the moon, mm. but my peeps, people in my life, you know, my father had died. Um, my my uh, people were just dying in my life. I have a family that didn't stick around too long, unfortunately, so I, tried to make a sort of also a way to think about this universality, universal thing that the moon is for all of us. Mm -hmm. And, but for me, I, I just took it, I took it and I ran with it. And my uncle used to call me a lunatic, you know, my roofer uncle. He's like, what are you doing? <laughs> Paint the moon. It's so weird. But um, then he got it. He'd get it. And he got it in the end. He really got it. And he's, but anyway, um, so the moon is this, you know, continuous just past as well. And Russell to say about series again, yes, series is something that I, I'm respectful of, but for me, it's really a lifelong process. So I think it's more a process. Um, and it's, I call it, my quote is the continuous just past. Mm. So that's a... <laughs> wow. Well, I, I, so I love what you're saying about um, history because when I, like, in looking at the moon and the fact that we have all looked at it and we are all looking mm -hmm. at it and you're saying about your parents, your grandparents, but, yeah, I do, I look at the moon and I think, you know, like Tudor England, Anne Boleyn would have looked up at this moon. You know, yes. Henry VIII would have looked up at this moon. I, you just think history, really, everybody's mm. had this view for Returner yes. for millennia and that really inspires me. But anyway, so back up onto the roof. I have a few questions about that logistically. So you're up on mm. the roof and on a good night you can have up to 10 paintings potentially. But mm. this would take a process. Do you then sort of jet lag yourself? Are you then exhausted for a few days trying to cope with this night kind of environment you're experiencing? Oh, that's... So cool. Yeah, I am totally jet lagged for a month because I'm up there and I'm, you know, I'm committed to trying to catch, you know, eight hours if I can, if um, seven hours, th three hours, if it's going to rain, maybe an hour, but I'll go up the next night and the next night. And um, 
you know, if I get two or three paintings done that night, I'm lucky, it's a great night. If I get eight paintings done, that's incredible. Um, and I don't go back. I won't go back the next night and paint on that painting. Um, I, it's done. It's mistakes, the, you know, the bugs, whatever's there. It doesn't, it's just it. I love the, mis the mistakes. And I can't often see what I'm doing because I, I don't have bright lights. Because if I had bright lights, I'd, I wouldn't see the night sky. So I have to have really, you know, uh, like candles and um, campers lights, small lights, you know, nothing that is too bright. And so I can sort of see my palette, see the, see, the, see the canvas, but I still don't always see it completely. I'm painting from memory, from mixing, mixing from memory, because I've been painting since a long time now. Okay. And um, I lie my palette out the same way, white, yellow, orange, green, blue, brown, black. So I know where the paints are. I know where the paints are and they're there. I can sort of, you know, I can see them, but it's like a pianist, you know, you can be a, be a pianist and not and close your eyes and, or be blind or you know where the keys are. And I think I set that up. I think everyone, all artists set their palettes up the same maybe, but I do for the idea that also later on in life, if I do go blind, I can continue to paint. Wow. Oh my God, wow. And these palettes are actually onto a canvas, a stretched canvas. Oh yes, and I prepare them for months in advance. There's, um, you know, 14 by 14 is my quintessential size that I've been mm. painting for years. And I, um, you know, I have those as um, a diary because um, I date them on the day and I that I painted them, the night I painted them, and I uh, it's and I mark the time and I mark um, the where I am. So it's a bit of a lunar calendar as well. So in the you know in the long in, I, I I imagine them all in one long line someday. Um, so you could actually see where I've been, and or I can, I guess, selfishly. It is maybe for me, but um, it's really like a like I'm grounded grounded in this moment, and I need a I'm, I'm creating a diary for myself, and then I box them, and I put labels on the front of the box. I can only fit twelve, but you know you can see each label on the box, and that's another piece, and it goes on a shelf. Um, and it's one long continuous just past. <laughs> it's really cool because it's really like almost like kind of stream of consciousness, but there's this real sense of freedom in it because you're kind of liberated by the fact that you've had all these decades of like learning to make art. So you've got all the skill as your kind of like ammunition, if you like. And then you're able just to go out and kind of, you know, just go wild and sort of, you know, let, 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 let your kind of feelings, you know, pour out onto the canvas in a way. It's a really unusual, I don't know, it's really cool. Yeah, that, and, and Robert, it's also, you know, I mean, with the 14 by 14 inch, I have limitations. So I do have rules for myself that yes, I can break, yeah. you know, and those smaller paintings are the inspiration for the larger paintings that I do. And the secrets are there, you know, they're, the brushstrokes are there, the moments are there that I was there. So when I go back to painting larger moons from, those smaller ones, that's where all the magic is. And, um, you know, so it is uh, very much a, um, a, a, yeah, like a, a, a time. It's a timepiece. What are yeah. the secrets? You just said the secrets are there. I like that. 
Well, the secrets, like the, 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 you know, when you look at a painting close up at someone else's painting, you know, you look for like the colors that they used or the brush stroke that's left behind or the, you know, the, the, the little, um, what do we call it in photography? The, um, um, pixelated sort of thing. Yeah. Or the, um, the punctum, you know, the, I guess it's painting punctum um, that's like uh, the mistakes, you know, that you wouldn't necessarily look for. So um, if you, unless you're looking up close, uh, uh, the magic, I guess the magic and the secrets are sort of the same thing. Um, so paintings that I did 10 years ago are going to have secrets that I forgot about, you know, like I'll hold a painting and I'll be, holy shit. Look at that color. Oh my gosh. So, you know, the secrets that, you know, you, you don't necessarily remember till you look. So you've had quite an unusual experience in a way because being an artist from such a young age, or at least, you know, making paintings from the age of six <laughs> onwards, has it been this kind of thing that you, like a necessity, like something you need in order to survive? Like what is your relationship to making art? Oh, I love that question. I, this is a funny story. Um, you know, being from a family, a roofing family, you know, that, you know, they're hard workers and they they don't come up with a lot of money. And, you know, you learn quickly when you're a kid to work hard because you're watching your grandparents and your grandfather says, keep it going. Don't don't give up. You know, you I learned, I think they they just saw that I could paint and they all got excited about it, even though they were very naive. Then I was the first one to ever go to college in my family. So, you know, they they didn't know what they were really sending me into, but they loved my work and they would make me draw and they'd say, draw this, ha, ha, ha. You know, look at, you can do this and, you know, um, make things that, you know, draw this, this um, um, pine cone or, you know, but, but the thing is, is when I went to college, I thought I should be something else because I've known how to paint. I got in on, on painting, and, but I thought when I, I should do something else like architecture, which I didn't really like, but I thought I got to do something else because I can, I can paint. I just have to do something else. And so I went home one day and I said, Mom, Dad, I'm going to be an architect, even though I was cutting my fingers. I really didn't like it. But, and, you know, naively they said, no. No, no, you're a painter. Why would you want to be an architect? And I, you know, I listened, but at the same time, I didn't know anything else. I listened, and but I also, they were very naive to say that because they had no idea how hard it is to be an artist. It's just their love of what I did. It's a very, it was a really cool, loving family. That, but it was also a hardworking family that believed in whatever you're going to do, you're going to work hard at it. Mm. And how you did got you to do it? How did you get into it? Did you use an assistant at one point in the early days to Alex Katz? I read. I was. How? I mean, what was that experience like? Was that early on in in your career? Yeah, I met Alex. Um, I met Alex in Maine um, um, at a at a at a at a center. For, well, it was it was it was Center for Maine Contemporary Art, uh, but it was Maine. Maine, oh man, what was the, before, before, before CMCA, it was um, Maine Coast Artists. Mm -hmm. And I met Alex, me, my family, well, my extended family, I, they weren't really my blood, but 
I called the Mites family. We went up to him and we introduced ourselves and he said, oh, wow, I know you guys. You live on Slab City Road. Um, I'll come down and visit you. And lo and behold, the next day he came down and he asked us to model for him. And so we're all like pushing and shoving each other out of the way. Yeah, well, I'll model. Yeah, I will model. I'll model. <laughs> and, you know, he only wanted three and there were like eight of us. And, um, <laughs> and I said, I'm, I'm doing it. I'm the artist here. <laughs> so this is after Alex left. And um, so the three of us went up the next day and we're all in our white clothes or I don't know what we, I think we all wanted to be dressed really bright colors. So wherever he put us in the landscape, we'd be, that was my idea. We'd be brighter than, I don't know. But he put us against a, um, a backdrop on his, at his studio on Slab City and we sat there, he painted us with the water behind us. And it was great. We talked about stuff, about main stuff. And, and then he said, thank you. And we left. <laughs> and we had to come back a bunch more times to paint. Um, uh, he does the studies two or three times. And so um, that year I was going to Columbia University um, as a graduate student. Um, I got into Columbia and... Um, at the end of the summer, Alex and Ada knew I was coming to Columbia. So Alex said, do you want to be my assistant? My assistant of 10 years is leaving. And I said, yes, holy moly, yes, <laughs> yes. <laughs> and it turns out I learned so much from Alex. I, I worked with him for him, should I say, of course, for him. You work for Alex, but you work with Alex too. He's an amazing teacher. He's an amazing painter. But if I couldn't, could have picked somebody different? No, I, Alex Katz. I'm working for Alex Katz in New York that fall, going to Columbia, riding my bike up and down. You're not supposed to work when you go to Columbia. But I worked anyway, because I had to. So I was working for Alex Katz, and I was also cooking food at 5.30 in the morning um, in the, in the meatpacking district two days a week. And then the other three going to Alex, and um, also studying a lot. Um, painting a lot. I didn't sleep much. <laughs> but anyway, Alex Katz, I learned more from Alex Katz, I think, than Columbia, because Columbia at the time was sort of in this weird transition, and they didn't really have a identity. You know, the next, I, so 80, I mean, 94, I graduated. And um, the next, like 97, 98 was when it really took off, Columbia. But, you know, when I was there, it was a little, you know, you're kind of on your own. But I loved working for Alex. He was really incredible. So there's and he's a, one of my gods. There's a painting of you by Alex Katz in a collection somewhere in the world right now. Yeah, a bunch of them. Is yeah. there? <laughs> sure, but, you know, I was just his model. But everybody was his model. And, you know, they, you just sort of become an Alex Katz model at some time in your life. And you're lucky enough if that to happen. And it's just such an honor. That's what me and Rob so are hoping for. Yeah, big time. Talk, talking about your models, if you think of all the birds that appear in so many of your paintings, um, can you speak a bit about that connection to birds and how that first appeared? And yeah, and well, birds were my second idea of the an icon that is not only repeated in nature, but it's something that um, was from a mediated image. So here I am looking back down 
onto a, a, a photograph, a mediated image, eventually yes. the internet, but I would print them out and print out, print out many, many, many um, printouts um, of the birds that I'd find on the internet. And I would scan the birds I'd find in books and print them out. So I'd have thousands of printouts in my life and around me on the floor, on the, you know, so I'd surround myself in this sort of ersatz nature, um, although it was from a mediated image. And, you know, birds repeat themselves in nature. So it seemed like it was the, oh, it was, it was subject matter that for me could be, I could take it on, you know, like a cardinal in Maine, you'd see a cardinal in Maine and then you'd see a cardinal, you know, in New York um, and they're exactly the same, but they're totally different. Um, mm. So it fit um, conceptually. So the problem mm. with painting for me, being that I could paint as a youngster, I always felt insecure about the fact that I was painting from observation. So the moon, I felt like that was a smart choice and it was considered, you know, because of Agnes Martin, because of my thoughts of line and, but the birds were this kind of dumb thing, which I, not dumb because birds aren't dumb, but it's like what my parent, my mother loved birds and she loved me to draw birds. And her friends loved it. It was just like, it's, it's hard to explain, but it's, it's not about kitsch. It's not like a tchotchka, but it's, it's like a, a, a cherished postcard of a bird, you know, um, cherished postcard or a book of birds. And, you know, they can verge on the kitsch, but they've never been kitsch for me. It's always about this heartfelt process. And so I would play with it because it was, it was provocative, you know, it's, it's a bird and they're looking at you, but I got a lot of shit for it, but I got, you know, it was like people didn't really know how to make fun of the moon. It was too serious. So it was always, it would always ground me, it protected me in a way. It actually, right. it validated my, my process because it would always recalibrate me to painting the birds because I'd have to look at observation and look at the moon to paint it, so it was go, always goes back to childhood or how I learned how to paint, which was looking and mm. painting, because the birds, looking at life and painting, because the birds are from the mediated image, which was mm. someone else's photograph, someone else's color decision, someone else's mistakes, which I love. I love the mistakes in the old bird books, as a matter of fact. So, so the birds are, you know, but I do love birds in life. I listen to them and I... But, oh. but, 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 but people like your peers or other artists would sort of almost not, not understand why you wanted to paint birds. Is that what you mean? Yeah. It was, yeah. They thought it was And they'd kitsch. actually tell you that. It's really yeah, they, really, yeah, yeah, yeah. They really, I was, it's still, I still have to fight that. But, um, so I don't mind fighting it anymore because it's funny. Because now it's like, um, you know, I'm not only painting birds, but I'm, I'm going to paint horses right now. Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah. But you do paint like many things, like but you repeat them, and you're you're on this kind of continuous subject matter. So you're saying horses, mm. there's flowers, the moon, yeah, flowers, the mm. birds, lots of animals like deers. Mm. The woodpecker appears a lot, and these all a lot of these, the source imagery are as you were saying from like stock mediated imagery. But you found a lot of the bird images originally in, in the book that your grandmother had, that you that kind of inspired you to go forward with that and these reproductions that you work from 
what I really love about the process is that you work from the original images and then you then work from your paintings and the paintings become paintings of your paintings. But it has to, it has to travel through this lineage to get to that place. You really get it. It's so incredible to hear this. Yes. It's like a, um, I become master finally of my own orchestra. You know, when the paintings are painted, I use those as subject matter. And those become the source. Mm -hmm. um, but I still have the original sources around. And, um, you know, if I wasn't tied to this thing I would run around right now and I could show you some of them but <laughs> yeah. um, I don't have any close by me but um, I, I, I feel that um, yeah they're, um, they're the yeah they're, I, yeah <laughs> <laughs> no words yeah yes well it's the, it's the it's the repetition and then the variations and the continuum of it all and the question I ask is do you feel like there is an ending to a certain uh, revisitation of a subject for you in sight, or is this an infinity subject? Uh, that's a great question too, because I go, I'll go back um, uh, and visit, revisit um, subjects, paintings from from say ten years ago, um, mm. but I won't visit all the paintings from, say, 2011. You know, I can't. Um, it has to be a reason for me in my heart of hearts to really want to revisit. Um, so the Lovebirds, um, in 2018, I revisited the Lovebirds that I painted, um, for example. And um, those were originally painted in 2000, literally 2000. And then um, I didn't revisit them again until... I think 2007, but then 2018, I went back and I completed a um, probably eight or ten of them for my for different reasons. And a couple were in the show at Karma, which Robert, I think you saw that show, um, mm. Sunset Birds, and or Sunset Moon. It was Sunset called. Moon is Sunset the one I Moon. saw. Yeah, 2018. Yeah. Yeah. So, so the Lovebirds, you know, um, were also. I just never finished it. I didn't finish it. I didn't finish it. I wanted to see what else was going to happen. So revisiting something um, has usually a couple reasons. Um, and it's also like revisiting a, a loved one who's passed. Mm. You know, um, it's, it's a little naughty to think that you can actually go and take one of your paintings or, and, and start to re repainted but it's a different painting it's a different time it's a different moment it's different brushstrokes I save my palettes because I need to check the color so I I actually save my palettes and I my palettes I tag them with the painting that they're that I did and those also go in boxes um, so that I can revisit the color if I do decide 10 years later to you know visit a painting um, oh, but um, and they're I call, they tag them. Sometimes they're naked. Sometimes they're tagged. But um, there was also a show of them at Southern Reed. We called them. Uh, it, we called the show "Untitled Naked Tagged," mm. and those were my palettes. Just my palettes. A line of palettes for 2013 and 2014. And um, so the, revisiting has 
you know, emotional reasons, but it's not, it's conceptual as well because it is revisiting something for a reason, the same way the moon comes out every night. I like, I had a right, I have a right to do it. I don't feel like it's, like it's breaking rules. And, and other, at one time people thought it was about um, market driven or like I'm trying to snuffle myself out of, you know, any originality. There's no original. And it isn't that. Um, I guess there is always original that I, but there, to me, there, everyone is an original. Mm. They're not, it's not a discussion of originality at all. Uh, do you normally work, apart from the moon, do you normally work from stock images, from like old calendar pictures, greeting cards, these kind of mediated images to begin with? Is that your original source? Yeah. Um, when I decided to stop, or to, when I decided that, the, that I had to pick subject matter, um, the birds were the... Birds were the where the reason, the stock images, the bird books, my grandmother, I found a bird book in my grandmother's cellar. My grandmother was Italian. And Italians, not all of them, but my family, birds were sort of um, a bad omen, you know, so. But my grandmother loved birds. So I also, that was a, and also a side of me that um, gave me the strength, you know, if my grandmother really was keeping this sort of secret about birds, I don't know, but... Um, I could use them as subject matter and, um, but they just made sense, you know, to have these, and I had thousands of images around me in, in valises and I'm, 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 I'm definitely a hoarder of images. I would carry valises around with me just in case I needed an image. What's a valise? Sorry, what's a valise? Um, a, a, you know, luggage like you carry on the, in the, on the airplane. Okay. So I have... Oh luggage at boxes contained with, and I date them and I date them all so that I can go back and know what I was using as subject matter at the time of the paintings. So I have all these ways to go back and sort of, um, you know, figure out what I was doing at a certain, like a diary. Yeah. It's a kind of archive. It's like you're an archivist. It's an archivist. <laughs> it's all very ordered in a way. Yeah. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com Yes. So if you think about your, your current exhibition in New York, which is until the 1st of May this year, um, Animals, Birds, Flowers, Moons, there, there's a number of different kind of um, themes in, in, in that show, which Russell referenced as well, like the woodpecker. He spoke about the horse. There's, there's like the, um, what do you call it, a, a peacock. Canary. Um, and a canary, yeah. There's many different kind of elements. Can you speak a bit about what was the, you know, what, what, if you were to open up that valise, you know, what would be inside? 
Yeah, that's such a good question. Oh my gosh. Okay, so the show that's up at Karma right now did start during the pandemic. And, you know, we're all fragile. The world is fragile. Forget about it, right? Are we even going to live? Are we even going to get through this? This is insane. It's so hard. Can I paint? Mm. I don't know. It's really, to even think about doing anything sounded so selfish. So selfish. But I decided to go into my deepest like inspiration boxes that came from my family's you know like you know uh, cards and you know even condolence cards um even you know uh, cards that my grandmother would would keep more birds that I found and I call it my inspiration table and that's in the back of my studio and um, I don't often visit it because it really verges on some pretty personal stuff, but like bears and do- and horses and, you know, um, but I, you know, so here I am paint and I decided to paint watercolors, go just, just only watercolors. It's clean material. It's the summer or it's on March. And so I started painting the horses, the one the one postcard that I really loved and coveted my whole life, I started painting that. But I used the background orchids from life, so it's sort of a collage. And the, you know, the 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 um, the peacock um, was something that I wanted to paint, and I had a postcard of that, and I painted that, and I painted it three times and I, you know, the woodpecker, I had a postcard. It was just this collage and, you know, in the midst of it was this table or my my mother's um, and my grandmother's um, fake flowers in their, you know, in their um, crystal vases that they had on the dining room tables, you know, sort of the same vases in each house. And I grew up looking at those flowers and I'm just like, holy shit, I'm going to paint the flowers too. And I'm going to put them on a stool just like I did. It was a repeat from my show in 2010 at Macaron when I painted real white rose. I took all the colors out. I painted white roses in a crystal vase on a stool with my paintings in the background so my paintings were curtsying, my bird paintings were curtsying to these roses that I was painting from life. So I could introduce new subject matter. And then I, I, I painted the original and I, sh- and I painted the opposite and I showed the opposite on the right side in the right room and the original on the left room. But anyway, so when I do paint still lives, it always goes back to that vase of flowers in on a stool so that's what I you know I I like to have some kind of consistency in my in my in my still life so that that still life with my grandmother's plastic roses came right it came right out and I painted those and and then I painted you know the 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 um snowy owls and the um Audubon, I love them. That's my favorite painting in the in the show. Oh, I love that painting of the you. owls. It's a great painting he did of the snowy owls. And imagine I have the postcard, and I've never, I've never given up on that on painting that and having the guts to paint it. Although, did I? I don't know. Did I paint it for Southern Reed's show? Um, the the we just I just did a show in 2019 at Southern Reed um, about Audubon's um, 
near extinct and extinct birds. But no, the snowy mm -hmm. owls are not extinct, so they wouldn't have been in the show. But um, thank you for liking the snowy owls. You know, They're there's fun. something as well for me that, like, if you think of, like, religious paintings, mm. you know, like, almost like Roman Catholic or, or like, if, if you think of, like, Frida Kahlo's kind of era and mm. all those kind of Mexican, like, votive, like, paintings, mm. is there something of that in your work? Because to me, they often have this, like, charged, mm. like, symbolic, mm. you know, the, the fact you often just have, like, one bird the on the icons, tree or something. Yeah, like, yeah. icons, exactly, Russ. That's exactly it, yeah. Is, is there part of that, like, in the layers of it all? Absolutely, you? Robert. I mean, um, I grew up in a very Catholic family that respected the, the roots of Catholicism. But my, mm. gran my mother was a staunch feminist and my grandmother was a feminist. They didn't, you know, they didn't take shit from the Catholic Church. Sorry, I shouldn't swear. Very bad, yeah. <laughs> you can swear. We love swearing. And, and uh, they sound amazing. I love them. I lo uh, yeah, they were, I grew up with such cool women and um, men too, you know, they... But, and, and I had an uncle who was a priest and he had a girlfriend and, you know, he had a car that, you know, the, 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 the horn went, auga, you know, and he was so cool, Father O.D. And he taught me how to kick down doors. But also on Sunday, Sorry, hang go, on, a priest, a, a priest taught you to kick down doors. Father O.D., wow. yeah, he was my uncle. Father <laughs> O.D. taught to me kick to kick down doors. Why did a priest need to kick down doors? Well, he was this, he, he came from this, he, he was an only child and he had to become a priest because he was from that age. But he really, you know, wanted to be something else, but he really <laughs> believed in it. He went to Rome and he did all the stuff. But wow. he was this crazy, wonderful guy that taught me all about breaking rules, all about kicking down doors, I mean, he had a girlfriend, so, you know, and he was a Catholic priest. And Oh, sorry, you know, this was a metaphorical kicking down doors. Yeah, this like wasn't psychological a doors. I've got it. Like I, thought, I, I imagined you and a priest going around booting people's <laughs> doors in. He thought, he thought you were like a karate kid or something, I like it, kicking down it. doors. Metaphorical, sorry. Carry yeah, on. Oh he's God. like, got you got, he taught me how to, you know, drive and, you know, kick down doors and get, get in, get, get in. Like, you know, I don't know. And, but he also, um, oh, on Sunday, the father of D that I knew was up on stage. Cause you know, I'm, I'm, I go to church every Sunday, not now, but you know, we, we go to church and there he is up on stage performing, you know, and he's doing the, the you know very spiritual stuff because he really believed in it um he just didn't believe in the bullshit of the catholic church which i loved so he um i didn't know that you know the, the real rules i only knew his rules so um but the idea of you know the icon i think robert it's so interesting that's where i remember the vase of flowers because each side had the file the vase there was the icon of Mary. There was, you know, all these icons in, up on stage, the stages of the cross. And so in a way, I'm probably just repeating that. I don't know, maybe. Were, were painting the flowers at that time kind of like a way of dealing with the trauma of losing your grandmother and you said about the family members yes. and stuff? Yes, my mother and I, you know, well, my mother used to grab the flowers from the grave and um, bring them home and put them in a vase and... She'd say, paint these. You know, we'd get different colors and stuff. And, but literally, when my grandmother died, when my grandfather died, when my uncle died, when my, you know, the close people in my life died, and, you know, my mother would always 
you know, make sure that I was painting those roses. Um, and they were always roses. It was a little, you know, lilies and here and there, but um, so it was really hard when my mother died. I, I just couldn't do it, you know. It was like, damn, I can't do that. This is too much. But I take that with me in my work. And I think right around the time my mother passed, 2005, she died suddenly. That's around the time I started to paint the flowers again. I just revisited them. and The idea of vases, roses in a vase on a stool. And, um, and then the 2010 show at Macaron was just confirmation of it, you know. Wow. So the, the idea of the repetition as well, I've, I've, I've read that, you know, talking about another sort of trauma is that in 1999 you had a studio fire which sort of forced you to start again and you say that you archive everything and I imagine all these boxes and boxes of accumulative years of work gone. And, and for me the repetition feels like a way of kind of confirming its existence. If there's many multiple copies of something, maybe that kind of keeps, saves it more, gives it more opportunity to survive. Is there some sort of truth in that or some sort of like pop psychology way Absolutely. of seeing that? Absolutely. Oh, okay, good. <laughs> good. I mean... Absolutely. It yeah. What was that really, like happening and stuff? I mean, that must have been horrific. Well, I mean, I can, I can laugh right now, but at the time of the fire, it was not fun. It was, you know, you lose everything you own, um, except for, you know, the stuff that I had in Boston at my mom's. And, um, but you, every painting, everything gone, you know, the roof is now open. You know, we, we were in Tennessee and I got a call that said, you're, you know, your house burned down. And it's just like, man, um, did this really happen? And, you know, they, it, my mother even got the call and she wasn't sure where I was. So she, for a few minutes thought I was, or a few hours thought I was oh, in the God. fire. So, you know, there was a lot of stuff that happened during that moment those and the, and the months after. And, you know, she found out that we were in Tennessee. She remembered we were in Tennessee. Uh, and she was absolutely fine then, but you know, it's a lot. Losing the moment of loss is just crazy. But then, you know, nine eleven happened after that, and so that just eclipsed anything that could have been in terms of loss of fire. But during that moment, my loss was really, for me, it was extraordinary, and I had to gra grapple with the idea of making these things again where do you start where do you start okay I'm gonna I'm gonna try again and I'm gonna make it so that in a way you can have something in one place and in another place just in case um, of the inevitable but the you know lightning doesn't strike I'm knocking on wood like mm -hmm. twice somebody so are we we're doing right. it for you. Okay. I have a wooden table <laughs> yes. right now right? I'm like yeah. holding on to it for dear life <laughs> me too thank you and so you know you it's never left me the idea that you know if there's the if there's another one then I can still have it it's still mine I you know even if or even in the case of it um, getting lost mm. so I covet a lot my every painting I do is like a like a, a mantra almost like a uh, mm. you know like a revisiting. Or, mm. But not, you know, so 
that was a long time ago, 20 years ago, the fire. So I'm so thankful that I am where I am now and that I'm, you know, I don't forget it though. I don't, mm. I don't well, ever forget it. No, I bet not. But where you are now is incredible. And, and as an artist, the, you have your work in the Whitney collection. You've got five watercolours at MoMA. You're at the Henry Art Gallery. There's three works there. What does that feel like? Does that feel like an amazing feeling to know that you're in these, the most prestigious art collections in the world? I, it's, it's hard to think about that. Mm. Um, you know, uh, sometimes what was my, my favourite movie was um, The Horse's Mouth. Do you know that movie with no. Alec Guinness? You, right. you guys do know it. You must know it. it. It was Alec Guinness when he, you know, he took over the lady's apartment in London for the summer. He lived on a houseboat, but he took over this very wealthy woman's houseboat. Anyway, she loved his art and she was a collector. Anyway, he never could believe that he'd be at the mat or the, the, big, the big mat in London. Um, but at the end of the movie, he, he's climbing the stairs and he finally made it. And there's his name, Gully Jimson. You got to watch it. <laughs> okay. The Horse's Mouth. It's a great <laughs> film for any artist um, because, it, you know, you believe in yourself. You have to believe in yourself. And, um, but at the same time, you can't think about it because you get mad or something or not mad that it's, I mean, you don't understand that it's there, but it's, I don't. If you think about it too much, it becomes too serious. So um, I just keep going. And uh, but another, you know, another movie is um, Soylent Green that I that I love too. That's um, you know, do you remember the Soylent Green? Soylent Green is people. That movie, the sci-fi film. No, no. <laughs> I don't know that one either. I'm amazing. loving this. You've got all the movie tips. If you need good movie tips, call yeah, yeah. Well, no, I need more movie <laughs> tips because that's my my dream is to sit down and watch all the movies that I missed. But the <laughs> film within the film of Soylent Green is also where the deer come from, and the repetition of going to home in Central Park. It's sci-fi film that was in 1973, but it, the setting was 20, 20, 20, 40, 24, 20. 2040. So we're 2021. So the film is about New York City 2040. So even mm. 20 years from now, I think. And it's so overrun by so many people. And, but so you could euthanize yourself by going to home, which is this like spaceship set up in Central Park. And you'd be greeted by these lovely people and um, they would help you and put you in a gown and they'd seat you in your dressing table in your dressing room and give you a potion and you drink your potion and then boom on the screen is like nature that you've never seen because it's man you know human hum mankind killed nature in this film and but Alec it was Alec Guinness Alec Guinness this might be Alex's was it I don't, Edward G. Robinson's last film so Edward G. Robinson played an old man he was old enough when he was dying in the chamber to remember nature. So he was reminiscing, seeing nature, but all the, the deer that were frolicking and the water that was rushing, the moon that was rising, the birds that were flying, you know, the, the nature that you, you die at the end of the film, you die in, the, in, in this. So it's the film within the film that lets you see nature that you didn't see in, in life because men killed, I mean, mankind killed it. So the deer for me 
in my work and also some of the birds and some of the, you know, other nature that I paint is, is a sort of metaphor for the fact that nature wins in my world. M- mankind didn't kill nature in my world. Nature wins. And it also has a, dis- a discussion with um, the, the um, Gustave Courbet's painting, The Life of the Stag, because, you know, that's his painting of him supposedly, he's somewhat, people say that it's him on the horse that's killing and, you know, shooting the deer, but we, I believe it's, he's the deer that's being shot at by the art world. And I know a lot of people think that too, but Mm -hmm. so in my deer paintings in the title, they always have parentheses, the life of the fawn. So it's like a conversation with Gustave Courbet's The Death of the Stag, Um, because he, he was so vulnerable at that time, and I, I think he really meant it as himself being shot at. Mm. And what I really love is the fact that you, you, you capture the same images again and again and again, but yet there seems to be no hierarchy. You don't put any image above any other source for you as being more special than the other. And that's something that's really uh, a beautiful thing. But also the fact that every single work of yours... It's, it goes into another work. So, for example, if you did a painting and you have the palette, the palette gets saved at the end that gets used to make the painting that gets made. But yet, if there's paint that wasn't used on that palette, then it gets taken and it gets used to create your painted bands of colour. Mm-hmm. So everything is being... I mean, it's really good for the planet, basically, your mm. artwork. It's like everything. It's like a circular whole kind of Yeah, like universe, organism. It? It's like it all yeah. feeds into, it's like feeds a feeding system for yeah. all of your practice. Mm. Yeah, well, then that, the non-waste idea of reusing the palette paint also allowed me to see the color when I painted it on stripes, stripes on these 24 by 18 inch canvases, and they eventually got bigger. I could see the paint finally, because I've been mixing colors my whole life. So it's like so performative, but it's also very um, much about the uh, a moment, ephemeral moment, but knowing how to mix colors, you, I don't think about it. I just mix it and then I paint it. And then, so to see it in linear form allowed me to see the color I just painted, I mixed. And it was groundbreaking. It, it also, I always thought and wanted to believe that I was an abstract painter. And so the stripes were something that helped me um, to get there, um, get the, the notion that it's just paint. It's even though it is a bird, even though it is a moon, exactly, no hierarchy. The stripes are a reminder that we all are just from that, you know, where... And I guess that's also, you know, maybe the the Catholic side of, you know, from dust you came, from dust you will return. I mean, that's, you know, on Ash Wednesday, that was, I loved that saying. I loved that saying, you know, I'm not afraid of death um, because of my family and my parents. And, but at, at the same time, it's so beautiful to think about nature and, you know, where we come from and we will go back to that. But I guess the paintings that I make will be here for a while, so that's not something that really transcends into that theory, but I don't know. Thinking about non-waste, but seeing, again, seeing the palettes and kind of documenting that I'm here now. Mm. What's it like being uh, 
married to an artist because you are in an artist pairing. Your husband is Peter Halley, who's an incredible painter. What is what has that been like, and is that like on a on a daily basis? <laughs> it's amazing. Uh, you know, like uh, last night we just had dinner last night with um, with Matt Schuster. And oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. From Carmen. Brendan yeah, Dugan. Brendan yeah. Dugan and yeah. Ellen Langan. Mm-hmm. Um, my my home, my homies here in New York. Yeah, I um, love Matt. Matt's a proper pal. Matt. How oh, about he's such Matt? a wonderful human being. Heaven. He's got so much oh, love for The best that knows so... every, the intricacies of ephemera, of anything, like of exhibitions. He's, he's oh. just the, the most meticulous collector and can spot the most kind of wonderful things that you would miss. He's really, he's really got an amazing eye. He also like, leads people to things they would love. That's and what I think is generous yeah. and unusual yeah. about him is that he cares about other people discovering the ephemera they need. Do you know what yeah. I mean? Like, he does. Wonderful man. He's a, he's, he's a gift. He's a light in this world. Yes. Matt Schuster. And he's a catalyst too. He brings people to him. He, yep. You know, there's people coming from all over the world to go to Karma Books and it's because of Matt Schuster. That's, you know? absolutely. I, I, yeah, that's me. Uh-huh. Yeah. Right. And everybody else. Uh, mm. But in... in and, Matt is so humble. He'd never let. He'd never. never He's going to love this interview. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, so yeah. So you and Peter. So last then. night we're Peter, yeah. and you know, it was just Matt. Matt's. Matt said, "You're. You know, he texted me. You're two of my favorite people in this world, and I know he meant it. He doesn't mince word words, but you know, we loved it. You know, and so Peter. You know, we just." We're just, to, to live with an artist, you know, I had, you go out to dinner together and you talk about stuff and, but you come home and you live together. And, you know, we, he, we also paint around each other. When, when we first met, we were painting in the same studio we, at home and um, he would be painting his little studies, you know, on his gouaches and I'd be painting my big oils because, um, you know, his gouaches, his small studies, well, he calls them drawings because anything on paper is a drawing will eventually go to his studio and his studio will produce the the larger work except for the Rolotex because Peter's hand is the Rolotex. But um, for me, I, I paint all of my paintings. Um, you know, I have help stretching them, but I, I mix them, I paint them, I, you know, but mixing, um, but together in, a, in one room, you know, is amazing. We'd listen to, the same, we'd listened, we learned to know, we learned to know each other. We learned to get to know each other doing that because we met in 2008 at Yale when I was teaching at Yale and he was the director and um, we were married in 2011, um, engaged in 2008, very soon after we met. Um, but, you know, you get to learn, you get to know somebody in their working practice and, you know, you don't hate them after a while. You're still working with them and, you know, it was just so inspiring. But also Peter Halley, looking and watching him work is is just an inspiration for me. It will never stop. Um, no matter how much I know him as my husband, he's an incredible artist. He's an incredible thinker. He does not... He's, you're not kidding. He's, he's really one of the most amazing human beings walking this earth right now. Oh, I'm sure he says the same about you. And that's the beauty of it. You know, like Maybe. you can influence each other. <laughs> yeah. 
Well, in a way, we have thing, similar... I, I was thinking about the colour palettes between both of your works, weirdly, because... Well, not weirdly at all. It's very obvious. But um, there is some kind of conversation going on there, I think, in between both of you. Yeah, there is. You know, and when I, I did a show with Mario Diacono in Boston in 2004, and he write, you know, Mario mm. Diacono writes these beautiful essays for every single artist. He's a friend of Bob mm. Nickus's. He's an old, oh, older gentleman um, from Italy, but he has his, you know, he did, the, you know, Ars Libri. Um, he had a gallery inside Ars Libri. And anyway, he... Um, his essay, you know, when I held the essay, I actually was doing a show with Mara Diakono, I couldn't believe it, and I open up the first page, and he compares me to Peter Halley. And this is long before I met Peter Halley, but I was like, my heart's beating, my God, I'm being compared to Peter Halley, I'm really honored. And I got it, though, I understood, because he is a painter of repetition, and he does use similar, similar processes, processes that keep him going. Um, and I did look at his work. And sometimes back then when, you know, you're in school and I did look at his work and I thought about his work and in a way, he's kind of like my Agnes Martin. Oh. Like he, he thinks about things in a similar way to yeah. her. Wow. Was, Maybe that's why you fell in yeah. love. I mean, that's amazing. And you both <laughs> obviously share, you share a love yeah. of color. You're not scared of color, either of you. Absolutely, no, you embrace right. that. But you see, you talk about it. We talked about like Alex Katz Kat's been an inspiration, and Peter, your husband, been an inspiration. But I feel like pop art, like Warhol, like the repetition mm. of the screen printing again, mm. that process of going just mining the mm. subject again and again and again, feels like that's an inspiration. Georgia O'Keeffe, I feel like, is mm. in there very strongly. A lot of you appropriate images of hers for the mm. backgrounds of a lot of the images. Mm -hmm. But we touched on earlier really gently, but there was um, James John, John, John James Audubon, who um, created a book of bird illustrations called The Birds of America. And I've always been scratching my brain to find out what it was, and I read an article, and then it linked to his work, and I can suddenly see... There, there is an, a synergy between you and him, and you mentioned him earlier. Is he, has he been a big influence for you? He's always been an influence. Um, he was... He, he made this humongous book. Um, I saw it as a child. Um, I don't remember where In I the flesh saw you saw it? I saw the big book. Yeah. They go for like $10 million each now, these, because they're yes. like 35 rolling oh prints or something, yeah. And then I saw it again as an adult at the Beinecke Library at Yale. Um, but I remember seeing it as a kid, or maybe the uh, the smaller version. And I, I got to figure out where it was, but, um, you know, it was somewhere in Boston in and around in the 80s. Anyway, but the idea that he would... He, his lifelong process was to chronicle birds, every, every bird in America, every bird in America to make, to go out and hunt and find it and kill it and stuff it and put it back in its, in its environment and paint it. I mean, wow, that's crazy. You know, people don't often like that he killed it, but I, I mean, he had to. I can't judge him for that. Um, but I, I do, I always wanted to paint every single one of his paintings and make the same book. 
Um, mm. Nobody better steal that from me, actually. Mm. <laughs> that idea. They can't now. <laughs> we'll, we'll get them. No way. You've said it on tour. He, he, he had an incredible <laughs> no life. There were so many facts about him that I've been reading. I'm like, there's kind of a movie in this, the way that he like teamed up with oh God, Theodore yeah. Roosevelt at one point, and they were working on like the publication and then there was some rival illustrator and they had this kind of beef with each other. They weren't happy because one was trying to do it before the other. There's like a whole movie in this kind of bird drawing. Oh my God, Russ, yes. you should, you should yes. make it a project. And if you listen to the auto, if you listen to the biography, I'm actually halfway through it again. Um, I love listening to it. It's like, he, he was a tough guy, you know, and he, but he had to fight a lot of battles, a lot of battles. And um, mm. yeah, a lot of people that were also trying to, take things from him and yeah. um, not give him credit and um, you know so you have you have to learn how to how to how to get the credit you need you know and yeah. but he was also doing things that scientists were saying no 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 you can't do this you can't do this but he was then reveled by the scientists for doing what he did so I think he cared a lot about it but from an ego point of view too he wanted to do the best job of anybody mm. um, and yeah, the show that I did at Southern Reed um, um, uh, were the five to t eight birds out of that whole book, eight to ten birds out of that whole book are either near extinct or extinct. And so I visited them and I put different backgrounds in and that was the show. Um, wow. Yeah, after Audubon, extinct, near extinct. And that was in 2019. And that was a fun show to paint. I painted it Did you it in ever Maine. do a dodo? Did a dodo ever appear? Dodo didn't appear, but I love the, do the name yes, yeah. dodo. Oh, no. I got to do a dodo. Dodo isn't extinct yet, I don't think. I don't... Oh, no, the dodo is definitely extinct. Is it extinct? Definitely, okay, definitely. So did he paint a dodo? It was probably extinct before. I think it was extinct before he even... He probably, They yeah. were the only birds I had. They didn't have any fear in their genetics. And so all the these dodo bird, yeah, right, the dodo. So, right, yeah, so the right. sailors would just pick them up and it, take, carry them off, give them a cuddle, and then eat them. Hence their so, name, because they, they were dodos. Because they? Yeah. they were dodos, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow, I love. And they couldn't fly, yeah, I think. They so they just. But they also yeah, let they them pick them up, up and cuddle them, and then they would roast oh, them. Yeah. Awful, awful. So we ask every you know, guest that comes on two very important questions. The first one, alongside all the other questions we've been asking you, um, if you could do an art heist, if you could have any work of art in the world for yourself, what would it be and why? Well, there's, there's a few of them, so okay. it's a little bit hard, but I can only do one, right? Because, um, so, all right, here we go. This... I feel like we need to drum roll. <laughs> <laughs> well, if, oh my God. okay, I'm going to do the, the, okay, so... Here it is. Really intense, awesome. This is sorry. This is so beautiful because it is Georgia O'Keeffe. I, you know, Georgia O'Keeffe. Georgia O'Keeffe. I had I love to, Georgia and it's, it's the evening star. Um, oh wow! And this I painting, and there's there's five or six of them. Oh my god! And they're amazing. They're amazing, and it's this is evening star number two, evening star number three, evening star number five, and. Are they on canvas or are they're they on paper? They're watercolors. And she did them, I don't know them early on. And she did them looking at the night sky or painting at night, night yes. while she was teaching, very young. And they, they're they so inspiring to me for my Ponce paintings and my works. I never stop thinking about this painting when I'm painting watercolors because it's the seepage. It's like the... You know, it's the it's the, the blurriness it's of the that blur yeah. and what she let go and what she contained and what she controlled and and this 
this painting lives in a, in a beautiful museum called, I think, um, I mean, I, I, it, it, it is called Crystal Bridges. Yes. Yes. And, and they, they, they have a lot of her work, Alice. don't they? They have a lot of the iconic paintings. Yes. And I, That's the Walton family, isn't it? The yes. Family. Yeah. And Alice, I hope Alice, she doesn't yes. hate me for saying that I'd steal it. <laughs> but I, would, I wouldn't no. steal it. I would... I wouldn't. I mean, but it'd be small enough to like. It's it's, it's an art. It's, heist. it's an art. We're going to help you. Yes. It's an author. It's authenticated art heist by Torquay. Yeah, yeah. She won't have any problems. She wrote She'll to me thanking me for a book that I <laughs> oh. sent her recently, and um, oh, nice. I, you know, the cure, the writer of the Birds We Know book from my CMCA show last year, uh, two years ago. He, com- I was so honored. He compared my work my Ponce paintings to this series of Georgia's. What's the Ponce painting? Sorry, what was that? um, They're pansy paintings and they were all watercolors Uh and they were painted um, in France because, you know, in France you have um, a Ponce. In America you have a pansy. In France, when I was doing a residency at the Frac Champagne-Ardennes in Reims, I decided to start a series of Ponce, because the Ponce is a spiritual flower in France. It's not a pansy. In America, if you're a pansy, you're a pansy, you know, but it's the most beautiful spiritual flowers in America are are kind of overlooked, but in France, they're coveted and loved. And so I, I call them Ponce because they are, you know, and Ponce is to think in the, it's the French word to think. And the flower Ponce is also to think it's about a spirit or a loved one or a, a soul. So all the Ponces have a soul, each one that lives and lives shortly. It's like a real human spirit. And so I decided to do a series of those and I was gonna do them to 67 or 68, 65, however old my mother was, it was gonna be one for every year that my mother lived. But I painted up to a hundred of them. And um, I'm, it was my, it was just, it reminded me so much of, of you know, the evening star um, that Georgia did, but I, you know, each one was colored, it's a different color, so I would buy these palettes of ponces and just paint them. And Sometimes I'd be painting the moon, I'd be painting the moon in France at the same time, and the night sky, but also the ponces outside at night, but also in the studio in the daylight, so that it's not just a nocturnal project. And I made a book with Brendan Dugan, an art service, before he was Karma. Um, I made a book called Ponce with Brendan Dugan and um, his, his team. And that was our first collaboration together, the Ponce book. Oh. And, uh, you know, you talking about that then is, like, honestly why I really wanted you on the show. And, like, Russ and I both love you. But, like, for me, your paintings have this kind of extraordinary, like, talisman quality mm. or something. Like, they're something that I want to, like, almost hold. Oh. Do you know what I mean? Like, like, they really are charged. And I know I said at the beginning it's all very, like, flowery, kind of like, you know, I love your work and stuff. But it's, it's the way you just described that whole Ponce series... Mm. It's exactly why, you know, it's it's like the stuff you can't really explain with words. Do you know what it's I mean? Loaded. And it's, yeah, and it's this thing of like, what is art? Like, why do we all love art so much? Like, you love making it, you know, since you were a child. Like, Russ and I love living with it or, you know, helping facilitate it. All of those things and protecting it. And I think there's, I have no idea why I connected to your work. It's like this unsaid, you know, you can't you can't put it into words. It is like a soul connection thing. And, um I just love, I, I, I love it so much. So the other question we ask every guest is, what is your favorite color? Ooh, 
I forgot you were going to ask that question. <laughs> we, we kind of re- It's a tough we, one. Oh, it's a tough one. It's like asking you to choose your favorite child. <laughs> no, I'm only kidding. Or your oh, favorite painting. Or your favorite painting. Oh, well, okay. Well, you know, I've thought about it, so I'm not, I'm not shy to say, um, you know, it would have to be blue um, because... I get excited when I'm going to go to the blues in the background. I get it. I, I know blue really well. I know the sky. The sky is blue. The night sky is blue. The day sky is blue. But blue as a background is just, it's also very iconic maybe because it's maybe back to that Catholic thing. I don't know um, where the icons have a lot of blue in the background. But I... I just love, I'm looking right now across my studio at this palette and the blue is just staring me in the eyes. Um, but I, I, you know, I, I, and, I, and now as I'm thinking about it, reaching out to yellow, I love the color yellow. Yeah. I love the color black. I love the color pink as well. I mean, I should have said pink, but it really is blue. Mm. Fantastic. And I love the colour orange in your paintings in particular. There's one painting of like a, I think it's a pink bird, but on a on an orange background. I think it is. Yes. And anyway, it's this it's this like intense orange. That is yeah. my favourite. Oh, for me, it's the, it's like Anne Craven for orange. For me, it's the yellow canaries. <laughs> these big chested kind of like boobs out canaries that are there, oh. just staring at you provocatively, sensuously. They're the one. That's the yellow boobs that I like. Out or, or ass. It's like an inverted ass it is, too. Yeah. It's like. Mm-hmm. Kardashian Puffed canaries. Yes. Like, yes. <laughs> on a pink background. Those are yeah. always on pink backgrounds. Heaven. We've got something we want to ask you and we can absolutely cut this out. But me and Rob have got obsessed recently with this documentary called Made You Look, which is set around the Nodler Gallery and Anne Friedman. Have you seen it on Netflix? And I saw in your CV that in 2006 you had a show at the Nodler Gallery. And I don't know if you had any sort of like... Now knowing, like, what's it's just happened, the most the, the extraordinary story, documentary. Now knowing the story behind that gallery and <laughs> the woman who run it, and now and knowing that you had a show there in two thousand and six. <laughs> I mean, what in Netflix UK? It's become like a phenomenon, yeah. and people are like daily calling us because we do an art show, like our friends, yeah. going, "Guys, have you seen Made You Look?" It's become this kind of like word yeah. of mouth. Oh my thing. god! You should interview Anne. I mean, yeah. Oh my god! But did you work yeah. with her in two thousand and six? Oh then? my god! Okay. She came up to Maine with her two, with two, two of her people from the gallery, stayed in Maine for three days, wined and dined me in Camden, and just was this extraordinary person. I mean, she's a good egg. She, and she was very vivacious. And, you know, and then she said, do you want to do a show with Nodler? And I said, yes, I would love to. I mean, I was honored. I was so honored. I mean, as Frank Stella showed there and. That's another story, Frank Stella, and my grandmother's history. Oh, my God. My, anyway, my grandmother was, um, anyway, quickly, my grandmother's gynecologist was Frank's father. And, um, but Nolda was always this crazy gallery because Frank Stella showed there. And um, in, in Medford, Massachusetts, my grandmother died giving birth to my mother, but she came back to life because Dr. Stella put her in a coma and brought her back to life. So we always had this every Christmas, Thanksgiving, God bless Dr. Stella, because he kept my grandmother alive when the Catholic church would have killed the women, saved the child. And so when I met Frank, I said, Frank, did your father, 
was your father a gynecologist in Medford, Massachusetts? I have to know. Because, um, and he said, yeah, he was. Um, and I said, Frank, you're not going to believe this, but your, your, um, your, your, grand, your father saved my grandmother's life. And I wouldn't be here right now if it wasn't for your father. And he said, me too. Wow. I wouldn't be here either if it wasn't for my father. <laughs> Love that. And so anyway, oh Ann Friedman. Ann Friedman. What a, what a, what, I mean, she was pretty, pretty great to me. And I want to say that she had this um, charisma that you, you don't really get, you don't really you don't really bump into often. She had this strength that you don't really bump into often. And, um, but I don't know. Do you think she did it? I don't know. I don't, I don't, do you know. Think? I don't, I don't know either, know. but I, I just such think a it's brilliant amazing. Documentary. We love human. it. Yeah. So Matt Schuster, two, two weeks ago, he texted me. He said, you're never going to believe who just came into the bookstore. No. Anne Freeman. Anne Freeman. Yes. She yes. left you a note. Should I open it? She was asking all about you, and I was so um, honored to talk to, about you to her. But she left you a note. Should I open it? Yes! Text it to me. Yes. So it's a note from <laughs> Anne Friedman. It's like, hi, Anne. Where do I find the words dot, dot, dot? I, your work's extraordinary. It's, I love your show. Please, let's get together soon. Oh. Love, Anne. And then she always draws this little curly cue figure of herself. She used to send me letters and stuff, you know, because um, um, she, she's just that way. But she always draws a little picture of herself with two dots and a smiley face and curly hair. And, um, um, you know, like, what do you do with that? I mean, Anne asked me for a show and she, I gave her a show. But right after the show opened, she had, and this is a, I can, I, I, I'm allowed to say this, she came down with a serious out of breast cancer yeah. so I didn't see her for the whole show and she's forever felt guilty that she abandoned me during that show um, so the poor thing I, I you know I, I think Anne is great yeah I just, I just got really excited seeing Nodler Gallery on your CV I was just like what I got asked yes. about that <laughs> oh, yeah. I, everybody who's not seen documentary you should watch his documentary Major I gotta Look. watch it's, it's I gotta watch it it's fascinating it's fascinating um, yeah Oh my God, this has been so, so amazing. amazing. Thank you so much for coming on Thank to Talk you. Up. I really want to have dinner with you. I We're can't doing. wait to, to New York, see you. The three of us. Yes, yeah. or I London. Give you a big hug. I can't wait to hug you too, Robert. I can't wait and to you hug can, you, you can, Russell. You can come to, to Margate, to the seaside as yes, well. Yes, I have to come. I've been... Because... The sky here is amazing. And at night time, you can really see the yes. moon. It's the Turner sky. Turner and you would love sky. it of all people. And Sophie lives there. Sophie von Hellerman. She's always like, come to Margate. Oh. She's also Margate. coming on Talk Art Yay! soon. So, um, we did a collab. Yeah, we we love, love her. She painted me holding a George O'Keefe book a long time ago. It's a it's a trade oh we did we made. I we just have to finish. It's my painting. It's somewhere. I think she has, she has it back. The the gallerist who had it wouldn't give it to me at one time. She's like, I just found like a silk scarf she gave me on my fortieth birthday. Oh. It's a portrait of me, and um, I, it was in a you know an art, art storage box. And I'm going to get it framed. But every time I tell her I want to frame it, she's like, "But no, I made it for you to wear." Oh. 
You know, she's so like, she wants me to, she, she has these visions oh. of people, like this kind of idea that you would go out into the world with colour around my neck, you know, like a hand-painted scarf. It's so kind of oh. luxurious and amazing. I love her. I love, I love her so much. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Oh. Well, we love you Thank and you. we're very proud that you are, you've been on Talk Art. Thank you so much. It's been a joy. Yeah. For everyone listening, go to our Talk Art page and you can see images of all the works we've been talking about today. Anne Craven is also on Instagram and your handle is at Anne Craven. Anne, A-N-N underscore Craven. On Instagram, you should follow that and follow And Anne's. Anne Craven Studio, I have two. Oh, okay, great, there we go. And um, yeah, we're going to be back next week. Thank you everyone for listening. Thank you, Anne, for coming on. We'll be back very soon. Thanks for listening. Bye, Bye. Anne. Bye, guys. You've been listening to Talk Art with Robert Diamond and Russell Tovey. Follow us on Instagram at Talk Art, where you can view images of all artworks discussed in today's episode, with music by Jack Northover. Subscribe to Talk Art at Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Acast, or wherever it is that you get your podcasts. Give us a rating and write us a comment. Thanks for listening. Mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com.